You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Strange Familiars. How are you, Allison? I'm doing well, Tim. Are you sure? No. <laughs> <laughs> it was highly tentative. Now you're making me... Now, now you're second-guessing? Yeah, now I'm second-guessing. I hear we have some experienced woodsmen on the show tonight. We do indeed. Tonight we're going to be hearing from Chad and Caleb again. This is the final part of their pandemonium adventure the Campfire Tales portion, where they were just sitting around the campfire and Caleb was telling some stories about some strange stuff he's experienced. Did anybody put anybody else's hand in water while they were sleeping? This is a question for those experienced woodsmen. I was not there. We're going to hear about a Bigfoot encounter from Caleb or something that sounds like a Bigfoot encounter. Don't want to make assumptions. And an encounter with little people as well. Before we get to that, I would like to thank our patrons. That would be a nice thing to do. Thank you, patrons. Thank you for everything you do, because without you, there would be no strange familiars. If you like what we do, and you'd like to get more content, you can become a patron at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. All of our patrons get commercial-free versions of the weekly episodes, plus they get two full extra episodes exclusive to our patrons every month. So you help us make the show, you get extra content. Everyone wins. Go to patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. All right, let's go ahead and get to Caleb's stories from the campfire at Pandemonium. Okay, so this is file two, and this is going to be the campfire stories. Me and Caleb Musgrave from Canadian Bushcraft, 
and it is almost four in the morning. Wow. So, yeah, it get, that's why I said we need to go quick because <coughs> we're like, not that we're going to go. Burning, we're burning nighttime. We're burning nighttime. So, so we're sitting here around the campfire. I don't know if you can hear the, the, the flames and the sizzling and all that. So, Caleb, yep. me and you both have had some crazy experiences in our life. So why don't you relate? I'll let you start. Relate one of your stories. Sure. With what has happened to you. Um. So like, that's one of the ways that we first started to really connect was when I did our Halloween special, the first Halloween special for my podcast. Yes, and I love that one story that you related with the axe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm not going to relate it again in detail here. Uh, simply to say that we had a axe that kept moving positions in my house when I was completely alone as a kid, and was basically stalking me through my house. <laughs> <laughs> like some invisible actually maniac. So if you want to hear the rest of that one, check out our podcast. Yes, uh, and it, it's an excellent episode. Yeah. It, it, very so, much excellent. That one was wild, but that was like... I'm not sure what it is about being a teenager, but I think it's because we're still like kids, like you know this as well as the kids, because of how innocent they are, seem more open to a lot of things that are out there that we can't necessarily perceive as adults. And I think because as a teenager you're kind of in that in-between place that you can kind of see that in-between place better so weird happened a lot when I was in high school and I was a teenager but the really weird stuff happened when I was an adult because now I should have more logic and have less like have more world understanding I've been in the woods more things should be less freaky to me now right didn't work out that way (laughs) (laughs) and as an aside (laughs) yep that axe was a plum axe yes and you will not touch or use plum axes to this day. Love them. Think they're the greatest axes in the world. I just don't want a chance. <laughs> and, I don't, and what was funny is like I have a uh, plum Boy Scout axe yep. or hatchet. And yep. I'm like, hey, man, look, and plum. And I went, I went to hand it to you and you're like, nope. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. It, it was, <coughs> pardon me. I just inhaled some smoke. Yeah. Campfire smoke. And, so, yeah, uh, that was hilarious. But anyways, go ahead. So, yeah, I, I won't. I won't reiterate that whole story, but basically that was one of my first really freaky encounters. Um, I think the first one I'll talk about simply because we've talked a little bit about Bigfoot and cryptids and stuff over the last little while. I've had two encounters with what, as we said in the last talk that we had, uh, what we refer to as Gichisabe or Sabe, which is our word for Sasquatch or Bigfoot or whatever you want to describe them as. The one I won't talk about because it happened during ceremony and I find ceremony very personal and I don't want to take away the energy of those kind of healing moments. So I'm not going to describe that one, but there's one I I will talk about. This happened in the summer of 2014 on June 21st, the summer solstice. And I was in the Pahasapa, which is Lakota for the sacred Black Hills. We were doing an archaeological survey to do a timber fuel reduction sale. So uh, I believe it was the western pine beetle had wiped out 60 to 70 percent of the ponderosa pines and they were concerned that there would be a wildfire that and the soil there is like an inch and a half deep at the best in most areas so if you have a fire that goes through there raging with like 80 it's like 70 percent of the forest you sterilize that ground it'll be thousands of years before that soil replenishes enough to grow life so it's it's important sometimes logging like that has to happen so but before they can do that they got to find all the critical archaeological uh, locations that we need to be concerned about so I'd been working there for about three and a half weeks and we were going through this big valley 
And I don't, I'm not going to give exact detail, A, because the locations were put into a code that the U.S. Forest Service used. I don't have the UTMs or coordinates of the exact places anymore. They'd be given, like, snake species names, or they'd be given, like, tree species names for, like, code words for their documentation. So I don't have all the details anymore of where we were. All I know is we were not too far from Sundance, Wyoming. Beyond that, we're, you know, 50 to 60 miles or more into the woods through all the back roads. And there's this big, long, really beautiful valley. And it would go on and on and on, snaking through this creek system that was there. And you have this... Where we were when this all went down, it was about 250 yards across the valley bottom from the neck, from one ridge to the next of the Black Hills. And I'd mentioned to Jim, my boss, hey, it's a solstice. This is a very sacred day to my people. Around lunchtime, do you mind? I take my lunch break and go down to the creek and do pipe ceremony. And him and the other crew members were like, yeah, that's great. Would you be offended if we joined you? I'm like, no, no, our culture is an open culture. Come on and join me. And that was the plan for lunch. On our way from there, I did pipe ceremony. Everybody held tobacco. We shared the pipe, put the tobacco in the creek. From there, going back to the truck and starting to get back to work, Jim found a cook pit, this big roasting pit. Awesome. And I couldn't figure out how the hell he saw it. Because it was just ground to me. I've been here for three weeks and I still am just seeing dirt. I'm not <laughs> seeing the details of how it had been a light dip in the ground. He's like, that's not natural. Pulled out a trowel and dug and just charcoal. All in this pit. And charcoal doesn't go away. No. For thousands of years. Oh, forever. Yeah. It's, there, it's, it's yeah. practically elemental carbon at that point. Yeah. I mean, we I find charcoal in Michelle all the time yeah. from, from the burn, from the, where they did yeah. the charcoal burns. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, But that's important to know because like, this is a, from what we could tell... This was a roasting pit for making like biscuit root edible and stuff like that. It was like a mm-hmm. cooking, big, big cooking pit that you would cover with sod and let the charcoal kind of cook it away. And while he's saying that, he looks over and sees a big cubish shaped piece of rock. And most of the rock there is pretty well worn because just like here where we are, the Black Hills are pretty old mountains. They slowly erode, so everything's pretty smooth and rounded over. Mm-hmm. So to see a really squarish looking rock is kind of strange. So he flips it over. It's a freaking matate like a, a mortar for a pestle to grind food in. It's like right on the surface of the ground, like right there. Like, this is amazing. While he, we're talking about this matade that he just found, the other crew member goes, do you guys hear? And then we heard this thing. The best way I can describe it is the sound of a howler monkey if they had the lungs of a grizzly bear. There's this like, oh. that went on for like a minute. I heard that noise. Yeah. On white rocks. Okay. When I had my first encounter. So it's a howl growl. Yeah. It's the best way I can describe yeah. it. Now, see, that, when you start doing that, I, that sends shivers up my spine. Yeah. Because I know exactly what you're talking about. Just picture that with bigger echo, though. Oh. Like, just booming. Uh, I, I know. That echoes like <clears throat> the whole forest was shaking. Yeah. So And so oh we freak gosh. out. We're all staying there, and we're like, okay. This is the first time I've heard this story, just so yeah. everybody knows. But go ahead. I don't talk about it much because it makes you sound like a crazy person. And like, no matter how much I try not to sound like, as much as I try not to worry about what people think, last thing I need is people being like, this guy that runs these courses is nuts. Don't go near him. <laughs> he thinks Bigfoot's chasing him or something. So we're rattling through our brains and talking like, there's cattle out here. That could be a bull roar or something. Yeah. Uh, yep. I, that's what I thought it was. No, it doesn't sound where right. I, where I had mine. Yeah. So go ahead. 
Ah, uh, we, you know, like there's there's elk out here, and they do roar like red deer, but they don't sound like that. They're more like that squeaking, trumpeting yep. sounds. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not that. It ain't a wolf, and there's no wolves in the Black Hills allegedly. Uh, there's no bear in the Black Hills allegedly. And while we're saying this stuff out loud, a wrist thick stick comes flying out of the other side of the valley on that from 250 yards away, uh, flies out 50 yards out of the woods and drives itself into the bank of the creek. Like just drives it and it's swinging, it's flying through the air like you're throwing an axe. That's not how a branch falls out of a tree. You okay? I thought I heard a, a noise. I mean, I did just roar like a... No, 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 this was more higher pitch. <clears throat> well, I mean, like, might be a response. <laughs> we're, we're in pandemonium, just so people know. Yeah. Okay, this is like night two. Yeah, and we're past the 335. Yeah, and it's I'm been always, quiet. But, yeah. but go ahead, anyways. So this stick came out of the woods, hits into the mud 50 yards out of the woods. And it's like, do you remember the first movie, Predator? Yes. When Arnold tried to throw a rock to distract it and did that like backtrack yeah. motion? My eyes are doing that without all the funky lights. Mm-hmm. I like trying to figure out where the trajectory was. And all I see is what looks like the back end of a moose walking away. But just two legs. Just big brown legs and an ass off into the ponderosas. Wow. And I go, did you guys see that? And Jim goes, I saw what looked like a big brown shape move away from us. And I was like, yep. And he goes, what do we, and while he, just to clarify, we're in mountain lion country here. So I'm carrying a sidearm on me legally. I'm legally carrying a sidearm on me. He's got his AR-15 with him. Legally. Yep. And he starts to raise it, and I push it back down. And he goes, what are you doing? I'm like, we just put tobacco down and smoked a pipe on the, one of the most sacred days when the spirits are the most active. And we just had something respond. Also, that's a 223. <laughs> I don't think it's... <laughs> at best, you're going to piss it off. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And he's like, he's like, that's fair. What do we do? I'm like, do you got any food in your bag? And he's like, I got a cliff bar. And the other dude's like, I got an apple. So I just break the apple in half, take the cliff bar, put Apples. Them on. Yeah. Apple yeah. Twitch. We're near Alpha yeah, Twitch. Just, yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> put them on top of this big ponderosa stump and I take like half a bag, like a fistful of tobacco and I put it right on top of the stump. I'm like, okay, do we go back to work? Oh, I completely forgot the other part. My, my, my mistake. After it roared. The reason we weren't looking the direction where the roar was, was up valley, we hear, <laughs> something responds back. But oh. that's like a mile and a half up the creek. Yeah. It's like not right beside us, but we looked that way and then the stick came flying out. Jeez. So I'm like, we got to kind of walk towards that roar that's up valley to get to the next job part. And Jim goes, mm, do we really want to get closer to these things? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not sure how to respond to all this. This is not something that's usually in my wheelhouse. And then we look up and the sky's turning green. And we're in Wyoming. And when skies turn green and you're out in areas like that, either big twister or a thunderstorm, Jim takes the initiative because he's the boss and says, let's call it for the day. Let's get back to town in case we have to get into a tornado shelter or something. Yeah. Okay. So we leave. No storm. No twister. This guy just had a really weird hue. So the next day we get back to work and we drive by that stump. And I'm looking at it, but it's like, you know, 
15, 20 yards off the trail, so you can't see everything over there. And the grass is like seven feet tall where That's we are. crazy. So, like, you can't see everything. Even though we're up higher, you can't see the good vantage point of what's on the stump still. And I'm in the back looking like a kid watching a McDonald's drive by us when we're supposed <laughs> to be looking for dinner. And Jim just quietly keeps driving and then says, you want to go look at that stupid stump, don't you? I'm like, yep. He's like, give me until 11 and then you can take your lunch break then. I'm like, okay, I'll work until 11. Very matter-of-fact man. <laughs> Jim was always... Jim was Old a, school. He was a Work great, comes first. <laughs> yeah, he was a great boss in a lot of ways, but he was also insane, which is what I loved about him. He's like my big brother. I love Jim <laughs> to death. He knows how to corral me in when I need to, and I know how to corral him in when I need to. So he's like, work until 11, then you can take your lunch break early. Like, okay. So we go do our archaeological survey. Levin rolls around. He drives me back down that way. He goes, I'm not following you. And Wes ain't following you. The other dude that was with us. You go and take a look. Okay. Walk down to the stump. Food's gone. And the tobacco is scattered all over the stump and all over the grass and dragged away. And as I see where the tobacco kind of got scuffed off, I see not perfectly rectangular, but like heel toe width 16 inches long yeah seven inches wide maybe maybe eight wide and long strides thing is it's all long grass you can't see detail like yeah okay. like, like here yeah yeah now let's let this known you're an experienced hunter you're an experienced tracker yeah i've been tracking animals since i was a kid yeah. i've been trained some by some of the best Absolutely. i'm not I'm, I'm not a master tracker no I'm not but like, you, you know your stuff yeah I, I know what i'm looking at usually so, so, so that sounds like what we saw here. Yeah. At, where me and Tim. The yeah, yeah, so yeah. this was after our, our first camp out here when we had the things going around. This. Yeah. And I was taking stuff. And, you know, it, so we had been up from three o'clock in the morning till like six o'clock when the daybreak came. Right. And we're like, okay, we're just going to leave. Yeah. You know, we're exhausted at that point. And we were packing stuff up to the trucks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a 30 yard distance. And we're taking stuff back up to the forerunner. <coughs> and that evening, I like I told you before, I've heard something come up through, almost the, like, uh, through the creek bottom. And it was almost coming up like um, clockwise to you guys. Like yes. Along we, we were looking over that way, mm-hmm. which is cool. So now you you get an idea. You're here, and you're actually hearing a story where it happened. Yeah. Just, just so everyone's aware, I'm a huge fan of this podcast. Um, <laughs> my wife knew about the podcast before I did. And I was listening to the podcast, and then Chad reached out, and it took me like, like a month to figure out that you are Strange Familiar's crew. Yeah. And then I just lost my shit. I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> and, and, I, I and, I, and I just reached out to you because we're woodsmen. You know, yeah. we're fellow woodsmen. And I, I love Canadian bushcraft. It's so cool. You know, you guys are very knowledgeable. You present it in a way that's understandable to normal people. We do our best with yeah. that. Yeah. And you guys aren't like, you know, I know everything. Yeah. No, there's people that are much smarter than me. That's that uh, vole mouse thing that me and Ryan were here. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah, it's just a little critter running around. That one actually be a bat right now. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a bat. Yeah. But no, I, I enjoy your podcast immensely. And I love the Strange Familiar podcast. Yeah. You guys are awesome. So this is like, just so you're all knowing, I'm fanboying like hell this last 24 hours has been great. So anyways. Yeah, to be in the spot where Pandemonium, the Pandemonium episodes were is like, this is surreal to me. This is phenomenal. Much less stay here. Yeah. So there this is cool. There's not many fans who have been here, here or stay actually or <laughs> stayed here. 
But it, I didn't know if I wanted to stay. <laughs> yeah, I know. This is so cool. I and love it. So it had gone off, yep. and I heard walking on the stones mm-hmm. on the gravel. And I was like, no, nothing's f***ing with my truck. And I grabbed my axe. Yep. I didn't carry a gun then. Yep. And let's be fair, I don't have a gun here, no. neither. And I went... Up, <laughs> There's enough people here that you don't even want to be confused I, by the branches well, breaking. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, we're armed to the teeth. Yeah. And um, ran up to the truck. Nothing was there. So anyways, the next morning, we're putting stuff away. And I saw those footprints like you were described. And the grass was probably about four, four to five, yeah, four yeah. and a half feet tall. Yeah. Because... It was much taller because it was the end of yeah. August. Yeah. And you could see the strides and the big print in yeah. the grass. I'm like, oh, my God, something bipedal passed between us and the yeah. forerunner. We never saw it. And we know it's bipedal. Just for, for those who are curious, like, how do you know it's bipedal? Well, there's a few ways. The, f- the first one is almost any animal that's quadrupedal is either going to have weight at the front of its body or weight at the back of its body, and the feet are going to be bigger where there's body mass. So a bear has bigger hind feet because their their butt and their stomach are more mass than their shoulders. Mm-hmm. A wolf or a coyote is going to have more mass at the front. A deer is a great example. Mm-hmm. With that big antler rack and their big chest, they're going to have bigger hooves on the front than the back end. Yep. All we're seeing is two identical sized feet. That's it. There's no smaller feet. That was Tom. Yeah, that was Tom. <laughs> He's having a nightmare. Yeah, we got two guys sleeping here, so if you hear snoring, that's what that is. There's no growling unless we made the growl or we say, oh my God, that's growling. Yeah. So don't worry. Or we scream in panic. <laughs> but anyways. So that, like, that's the first thing. It's like, there's only two feet and they're the same size. There's no differential in the in the size. Like a deer being a diagonal walker, it'll look like only two sets of tracks. But how their toes are connected, how wide those feet are. Wolf, coyote, bear, the same thing. There's just two feet, two tracks, and they're the exact same size. And there's no evidence of a smaller track inside, like a, a what we call direct register versus indirect register. Right. Add the fact that how the stride or the gait of the animal is, it's a biped. Like just naturally how it is. There's going to be wider at the chest for a deer. Yeah, yeah wider you, at you the can't. Uh, there's no way a four-legged creature can. Just put those two in yeah, the same size. Yeah. Can't so, replicate it. It can't. No. Even a bear cannot do that. And that's the only animal whose tracks I first went, that could be a bear. And that'd be just as surprising as what we're looking at right now. Because, again, it's been like 150 years since a brown bear, who's the only bear or animal I know that can make a track that's 16 inches long, would be around. Right. There haven't been brown bears in that region in 150 years. They'd be as much of a cryptid as a Sasquatch. So... I called Jim and he comes down and we look at these tracks and just to clarify how like we're just talking about the shape of the track. We can't find toes. We can't find a heel because this is all just crushed grass. There's not like, again, I'm not a master tracker. I haven't gone through the cyber tracker course or any of that kind of stuff. I am a hunter who learned from some really good trackers to understand what I'm looking at better. That's as much as I am as a tracker. I've, Which is I've, still better than I've most looked people. at a lot of tracks, but I'm not a master. So some people... John Young, my buddy Chris Gilmore, my friend Christina Yu, they could possibly go to that grass and figure out where the pad of the toe is, the pad of the heel, things like that. I can't. I'm just seeing big, not perfectly rectangular shapes that are walking with a gait and pushing the grass down as they move. When Jim gets over and the other crew members get over, uh, crew member gets over, we can realize that the, the tracks went around that stump a couple of times, almost like it was investigated. And then went back the way it came. So I'm like, I might be able to follow this animal. 
because I still I, I'm trying to be as critical and skeptical as I can. I don't want to just go, it's a Bigfoot. We're squatching now. I don't want to lose myself. I want no, to, no, I want to, I want to cancel it all. I want to follow Occam's razor and all the logic I can and deduce it down to what it is. So I say to Jim, I want to track it. And he goes, okay, you're taking a radio. This one is a, it's the Garmin, uh, the Garmin Rhinos. And by the way, you need to finish all your work before you do it. <laughs> <laughs> he gave me time off for this one because yeah, we found cool. this in the first five minutes. That was cool. And he goes, I'm going to give you this Garmin. You got to take your Garmin Rhino because they're radio and GPS. So he could actually see where I'm going if I hit my marks and stuff. So if I do disappear, they can at least try to find me. We don't know these woods. This is the new job site. Yep. And so I go and I follow it and it's going down towards the creek. I'm like, well, at least I'll get a nice track because it's nice, thick, organic muck. So I'm going to at least see if it's a bear with big claws or what it is. Or maybe it's a dude walking when he just happens to be like Shaquille O'Neal or something. Get to the uh, get to the creek, and there's like I don't know foot and a half of mud on each side of the creek, no tracks. But then the tracks started getting in the grass, and you can see where there's an impact. This thing jumped the creek. It avoided leaving tracks. Tell me an animal that avoids leaving tracks, and I'll show you a unicorn. Yep. Because that doesn't happen. Animals don't try to avoid their tracks because all predators use their sense of smell, except for humans. So even if you cover your tracks a dog's going to find the trail a wolf's going to find the trail a mountain lion's going to follow the trail yeah so to them it's no there's no point there's no point hiding it yep why did this thing jump the track that's a track trap that's the perfect place to find a track why would it not leave a track why would it avoid it also what animals avoid getting their feet wet i don't know too many so i don't see that logic showing up so this has got to be a person but that's a long stride and a big ass foot i'm a size 15 wide this thing makes me look like I got a size nine foot, right? Like it's a big track. Okay, well, the other logging road is just about another 50 yards. That's all sandy gravel. There's going to be at least a heel scrape or something there. Get up there, and it's like it's a two track, but it's been leveled out by logging trucks over the years. Okay. It jumps the gravel. It's avoiding tracks, That's dude. That's crazy. It's avoiding leaving obvious tracks. That's and nuts. It just keeps going uphill. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to follow it until I know what it is. Because, again, this could be anything. I still don't know what it is. I'm just happy to see big tracks of something that can avoid leaving tracks and obvious track traps. Get up about 50, 60 yards. Now I'm up in the Ponderosas. There's a lot of pine duff on the ground. And yeah, again, it's, it's like here, a lot of detritus. Yeah, it's You're springy. not going to see much. <clears throat> it bounces back pretty quickly. It's been, who knows, 24 hours, less than 24 hours. By then, the, the forest detritus starts to spring back up mm-hmm. from just natural springiness of the, ma- of the material of tension and stuff. So I lose it after about 60 yards up the hill. And I radio Jim. Hey, I lost the trail. He's like, whereabouts are you? You want me to send you a ping? Yeah, send me a ping. So I hit the, uh, the GPS and share my location. And he says, you're about where that stick came from. <laughs> really? He's like, yeah, like that's about where we saw that ascent of a moose looking thing. And I'm looking around and I can not see anywhere on the ground where a stick would have been picked up. Now, again, this was a thrown stick that went flying out, not like in an arc, 50 yards out into the open. I'm 60 yards into the bush. So we're talking a 110 yard throw. 
of a stick that's as thick as a baseball bat and almost as long as Yeah, that's pretty. I can't do that. And I throw axes for fun. Like, I can't throw a 110-yard throw with a stick. I know there's probably some people out there that can, but through forest and out into the open, I don't know. And I can't find a stick anywhere on the ground. And there's no raccoon that's going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) There's probably no clue. Is there raccoons out there? Not that I recall. Not to go out There's on badgers and stuff. Not to go out on a tangent. No, I hate raccoons. Yeah, I Raccoon, hate well, I don't hate them. You, raccoons you know, hate me. You know what's funny is you have that in, in common with Tim. Neither one of you are like super fond of them. Yeah, I love possums though. It's yeah. not that they're trash critters. It's I like trash critters, but raccoons and seagulls and yeah. I don't get along. Yeah, um, coons are. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, go so ahead. Th- there's no like when we're talking about the pine cones in the last talk we were talking. Yeah. About. How there's like divots in the ground of where they've been sitting for a while. Mm-hmm. There's nothing on the ground of where the stick should have come from. Nowhere. I'm looking around and it's just pine floor or sticks that are already there. There's no missing. There's no um, negative of the positive that there was. Like the stick that would have been in that spot. So I start looking around, looking around, and I just happen to look up. And about 11, 12 feet up, there's a ponderosa pine branch that's been twisted and twisted and twisted until it broke. It looks like a Twizzler, like a licorice Twizzler. And just the end is green stick. And I'm like, that? Do you know of any animal that can grip and twist like that? Like a bear can kind of cup something with both hands and turn it. Raccoons can do things, but they can't twist a wrist-thick stick. No, hell no. And then throw it 110-something yards. So I start going back down, and I find that stick, and it's green. And it's got the same fractures on the end of it. I didn't take it all the way back up and, you know, stick it in because that's 11 feet. Well, no, no. You can pretty much tell. I mean, It's the stick. Yeah. So something saw us, ripped a branch 11 or 12 feet up, twisted it off until it broke, and then flung it 100-something yards out of the woods and into the open and stuck itself in the ground like a javelin. That's crazy. Like the force behind that throw. I never figured out what it was. And to this day, I, like, I could say it's Kichisabe, I could say it's a Sasquatch or a Bigfoot or something of that special lineage or something. I don't know. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with not knowing what that was because I gave it tobacco, I you'll, gave it food. To be honest, you'll never know. We're, we're not supposed to know. When I die, maybe I'll know. Somebody in the next life will tell me what I was dealing with out here and they'll be like, yeah, you should have watched less of, uh, less TikTok and spent more time in the woods or something. <laughs> Because <laughs> you would have figured it out or something. Yeah. There'll be a key one day when I'm when I'm long dead. But I'm okay not knowing. I'm okay just a, a, appreciating this experience of having something yell at me and throw a stick at me and then take an apple in a cliff bar. And maybe stick some tobacco in his, upper, in his bottom lip or something. I don't know. That's my... I'll, I'll call them bipedal sapien Americans. That's always been the joke we call them because we wanted to sound like we weren't crazy that whole time. Those damn sapien Americans, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but yeah, the the closest animal I could describe it as would be either the ascent of a moose that happens to have 16-inch long feet. And you know what an ascent of a moose looks like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they run from me every time I try to get a gun on them. <laughs> smoking right yeah. up your lungs. That Woo. was incredible. It's like somebody shoved it down you. That's my story. I don't have any ending to it other than... I found the stick and where it came from, and it's no way that somebody did that. Like, we kept thinking maybe someone's messing with us. Like, maybe someone, like, A, no one knew we were working that job site that day. We chose that new job site that day because we had five job sites to go to that week. 
Yeah. We chose that one at random. So it's not like anyone at the U.S. Forest Service knew we were going to be in that zone that day. Okay, maybe there was a local that happened to see us going in there and working on stuff and decided to try and give us a scare. Sure. There's only two roads in, and we can see both of them because one we're on and the one's right across the valley from us. So how do they get up and around to get up into those and trees? That, and that's relatively open out there. Yeah. So and then I mean, that's way more open than even here. Yeah. The Ponderosa forests are like, it's old growth ish it's like second generation sometimes or even fourth generation it's old forest and it's open like this but taller trees so there's even less canopy to get in the way of your view so like and how would they have broken a branch like that and thrown it 100 something yards yeah they could have you know had boards of wood on their feet with some ropes to help control and running real fast but still that, that's a lie i mean who would go through all that why For, uh, and, and why? how would they have known someone's going to be there that day to mess with yeah them? like how yeah and it's not like we like we weren't seeking this stuff we were out doing an you archaeological doing job. job you're working and then just happened to do paying respect to the spirits and then this happened i wouldn't say all hell broke loose but like I'll never forget this moment. It'll be in the back of my head. Every time I hear a weird noise in the woods, I'm thinking about, is that thing roaring like a howler monkey? And does it have the lungs capacity of a grizzly bear? No? Okay, that's just a screech owl. Never mind. That's crazy. <laughs> and it's cool that there was more than one person. More than one person and more than one response. Like, yeah. And then a, a response. More than one thing. Yeah. So. I, and when you were doing your, when you were doing what, you know, your ceremony. Yeah. Is that the proper terminology? Yeah, yeah, ceremony, ritual. Ritual. I'm, I'm going to You weren't trying to call anything into no, being. No, You know, you were just doing what... You were giving thanks. You were giving thanks. You were doing what you were you were we, doing. You we, weren't trying to communicate with anything. No. You were just doing what is proper we were, for you. We were thanking all the beings that had given us life, that had helped us continue life, and we were thanking Creator for giving us another day of life. And then we put tobacco in the water, finished smoking the pipe, and then went back to work. Yep. And found an archaeological site within like a minute and then within a minute finding that or closer to three minutes i guess after because jim sh shoveled around for a bit and then rolled the rock over like five minutes after we put our tobacco in the water howler monkey from hell <laughs> like and i know that sound yeah it, it's scary yeah and it's deafening and it yeah it like it echoed and then that response like a minute later as jim was like trying to decide if he should raise his rifle again or not and then the sky went green. Like, that's the part that keeps, like, no storm came. There was no thunderstorm. There was no tornado. I, it, it was it was time for you to go. Yeah. I think it was just the forest being like, you got your message. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. Go yeah. on. Get out of here, you thank crazy you, thank you, Thank you for the Thanks for the food. We Get appreciate out. it, but you're cool. done. Like, we had a few other strange encounters that summer working in that region, but nothing like that. Nothing like that. We had, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say their name. It's a being that's very important in my culture that is very similar to what we refer to, like, what a lot of people refer to as, like, fairy folk. Our word, I don't like to say because I then have to go put more candy out to So, yeah, so yeah, I was going to, like, not to interrupt you. So, yeah. in your culture, yeah, if you name it, 
If you you're say it, them. you're calling it. Yeah, you're. So it's, it's the same thing as like we can't say a dead person's name after they die for about that a year. That makes sense because you're calling them back. And names, names have power. Exactly. Yep. Names so, have power in multiple cultures. Yeah. So I'll I'll call them the wee ones. Okay. I'll just call them the wee ones. And what happened was we were driving. We're now closer to Devil's Tower. We're over in the Hewlett, Wyoming area, and we're driving to the job site. Not to interrupt you, yeah, but did last night did you name them? Did I what? Did you name them last night? No, when we were putting our tobacco down, I named the beings that are beneficial and giving them thanks and asking them to watch over Because us. you had said, now we had a little bit of a talk last night. Yeah, and that's and, why I was putting, I put some day, candy out just to and make And sure. you had said, you know, these are the beings that are, in your culture, there is no bad or good. Yeah, it's it's more like they're beneficial to us or they're not beneficial Or they to just us. don't give a rat's ass. Yeah. They don't care. It's, yeah. There's, there's beings that benefit human life and there's beings that aren't really involved with our lives. Yeah. And they're the ones that... It's like, how can I explain? You know that one uncle that's kind of gruff and doesn't really want to deal with your bullshit? Yeah. That's those other beings. Yeah. They're trying to do their things and you're interrupting it. And they're going to give you a cuff them. Did you name them last night? I No, not... Uh, the ones I mentioned was Bugwudgeon in it. Or Pukwudgeon. Yeah, but say. you had said too that with, with M word. Yeah, that's the M word we're talking about. I put candy out for them. But you mentioned them last night. And yeah. the reason I'm asking you, yeah. that's when we had our encounters. And that's why I put more candy out. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So these are the ones we're talking about. Yeah. So so now you mentioned Kichisabe. Yeah. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yep. Kichisabe, Kichisabe, they're both active. Are we... He's always around. Yeah. Like in so our, it's in okay. He's, it's he's, okay. He's a Manado. He's a yep. good one. Yep. He, we look at him. So Manado or Manitou are... A lot of people, like, you read certain books and you hear the word Manitou, you're like, oh, these are the monsters of the Ojibwe. Manitou comes from, the best I understand, Manado, which is describing... Beings who exist that benefit us. They're beneficial spiritual beings or spirit beings. So, Nimki Beneshi, the Thunderbird, he brings the rain. He brings the thunder mm-hmm. and the lightning that helps agitate life to grow again in the spring. Mishuanabishu, the underwater panther, the one that lets the rivers flow and the water move and everything else. Gichisabe takes care of the forest. Yep. That is not a bad being at all. No. That's the being we need to no. have around. So I'll always say their name with love and tenderness and appreciation and reverence because they're such a beneficial being. But just like a Thunderbird, we love, Ojibwe's love Thunderbirds. Our symbol for the Anishinaabek nation is a Thunderbird. How many people die from lightning strikes? <laughs> just because it's beneficial doesn't mean you should always have it. How many people drown? Yeah. Water is life, but water can kill your ass real fast. Yeah. And ha- how many people have trees fall down in the middle of the night? <laughs> We're laughing because yeah. we actually had that happen last <laughs> Big night. Tree went down we mentioned that night. on our other talk, and, and but no, yeah. and mm-hmm. now we're not saying something pushed it over, but it, it's just it was like a weird time. You're you're in their environment, yeah. Whether this is their home, swimming in the lakes, yeah. And and, and I know just from my no- a little bit of knowledge I have of like Upper Huron and like those areas up like upper New York and yeah. all that. Like, you know, when you said, when you said the water Panther, yeah, I knew what you were talking about mm-hmm. because it's like, you know, you, you, you give stuff to them. You know, you, you can yeah. be swimming, you're, you're dragged down. Yeah. You know, you always give copper to underwater Panther. Yeah. Anytime you cross water or you're swimming in the water, take some copper with you or at least put some tobacco. In so the it's, it's, it's not about like you're playing fear. in their yard. You're, you're in their house. Yeah. It's called, be res- a good guess. it's respect. We're always guests in their land. Like, yeah. We belong to the land, but we don't necessarily belong everywhere. Yes. So we got to pay respect when we walk into somebody's house. Be a good, go- be a good guest and let them be a good and host. And there is such thing as being a good guest, you yeah. know. 
you know, our so experience last night, we were trying not to be interruptive. Exactly. We just want to observe what was going on and be friendly neighbors. And when we leave away. and we leave, we'll say thank you appropriately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So it's, it's just like a, per, you know, they too, you know, like they have their rules. And they have their protocols. And they have their protocols. And then there's the other ones that we will refer to as a mudgedal. And that doesn't mean bad spirits. People get that really misconstrued. Yeah. Good spirit versus Not bad everything spirit. is is black and white. No. Majidol, know, there's a lot of gray in this world. Majidol, yeah, just like those things we saw last night. Yeah. Majidol to us just means like they're not beneficial to us and they're a little bit more dangerous. So we just don't try to encourage their presence around us by, by naming them too much. And the wee ones aren't necessarily majidol, but they sure can mess your, your day up. Yeah. They're the ones that steal shit. So like... For example, I had to come to, to Pennsylvania from Canada. I have my J Treaty card, my status card. I have my wallet with my I, all my other ID, my my bank card to be able to buy things on yeah. there and pick up gas. I'm covering the cost so that Ryan doesn't have to include the whole cost, all that kind of stuff. The night before we leave, I can't find my wallet, and all I can find is my passport. And I put, like handfuls of candy at the tree at my house like just give me my damn wallet back because that's what they do they hold your shit ransom until you give them candy because they're like little spoiled kids not trying to offend them but that's their personality with what they do so they're so tricksters this, yeah they're tricksters they're not it's, evil but so they're gonna mess funny your day up. because i recently had a conversation with mm-hmm. two friends of mine from six degrees of john keel okay and morgana has what they call goblins okay and it's the same thing. Yeah. And not too far off. No, and it it to me it's just different names mm-hmm. for the same thing. Yeah. Whatever it is. Now, there are regional differences, you know. Totally. And but it's just funny how they act. Yeah. You know, so it's like very similar to like traditional fairy lore from yeah. Europe. So what was going on was uh in the Black Hills there's a lot of different flora. Some of it's similar to what I have at home, but not everything. There's one plant that grows really, really prevalent out there, and that's bearberry. One of the names for bearberry is kinnikinick. Is that a cluster berry, like a raspberry? No, they they almost look like the tea berry fruit. Okay. But they're really mealy. So the, they're, so they're low-creeping vine. So they're basically a dry... <clears throat> they're related to manzanita. Okay. So if you can think of manzanita, they're very similar in fruit, but they don't have the same taste. They're, okay. they're very mealy, almost like a non-sweet, non-tart apple in texture. Gotcha. But very, very small. Okay. Um, bears love them, hence the name bearberry, but they eat the whole plant, not just the fruit. Um, we use the leaves in smoking mixture for smoking. And before tobacco was traded into the North Territory, bearberry leaf would be mixed with the inner bark of what's called red osier dogwood, also known as red willow. And those would be mixed together, dried, and smoked in a pipe. And that's what we'd use in sweat lodge ceremonies and our prayer ceremonies or just to smoke because smoking is fun. Don't smoke, kids. <laughs> so I'm finding all this bearberry everywhere. I cannot find red willow to save my life. We literally would cover like about 100 miles a week in our job. Couldn't find this stuff. Went all over the Black Hills. Couldn't find this stuff. Then we're going along a creek from Hewlett, Wyoming into the Black Hills. And there's this big sandy parking lot that somebody's built. I'm not sure if the U.S. Forest Service had built it or it was just naturally occurring. They just kind of shored up the edges or something. I don't know. But usually when we drove by, there'd be an RV there from somebody camping out on the state lands and yeah. the, the forest. This one day, there was no vehicles in the way. And I was able to look down right at the creek. And I yelled at Jim, dude, there's Red Willow. 
Red, it was your dogwood. And he's like, well, we don't have to start for another like 40 minutes. You want to go down and take a look at it? I'm like, hell yeah. I love this guy's like paying attention to time. <laughs> he's he's professional. <laughs> as crazy as Jim is, he's professional. It's man. cool. It's cool. I it's not him. mocking. We were one of the hardest working crews that worked at... We, Apparently, we found like six times the amount of archaeological sites than anybody else ever found during the highest rainfall and highest plant growth wow. of any of the last 15 years. Which makes things hard. <laughs> yeah. You can't see Because, th- again, the soils there is very shallow. So Overgrowth most, sucks. <laughs> and most of the archaeology there is pedestrian survey. You're looking at surface finds because there's not much soil. Yeah. So, if you have a bunch of grass growing up seven feet tall, you're not going to see the shit. We found six times the amount of artifacts because we were out there so much work. And we did a 65-day wor- uh, work job where we never took a day off because we just liked our job. We wouldn't stop. Oh, I would love that. that we would were basically be so... paid to hike and look for cool things. So, <laughs> yeah. That, so, that's what we do here yeah. at the, for the podcast. <laughs> so, but, Jim, but go ahead. <clears throat> Jim's like, okay, we'll pull in. You go down and pick some Red Willow to finish this Kinnikinick mix you want to make so badly. And I go down and Jim kind of follows along because he's fascinated by this stuff because he's a buddy of mine. We're all in the bushcraft and the other crew members come along with us and we go down and I start picking red willow and peeling the outer bark off and scraping up the inner bark. And then I started noticing that the silver sage has been picked. So silver sage is um, part of Artemisia family related to wormwood and mugwort and stuff like that. And it's it's an aromatic plant that we use for smudging. And it's very close to uh, white sage and buffalo sage, but not the same species, but used in the same way. And the way you pick silver sage, usually is you bring a a knife with your pair of loppers or shears, and you snip it off down near the root, and you make a smudge stick with all these twigs. This wasn't picked that way. It was picked from about three inches from the top all the way down, leaving leaves at the top. So it's like someone went along and picked just a few leaves off each plant all the silver sage within like eyesight. I've never seen anybody pick sage like that. They usually pick it right off the top or they cut the whole plant. Yeah. Yeah. A person would be. So why are you picking it. that low down? And there's a lot of red willow here. And we've never seen red willow in the whole forest. That's crazy. This is a cool spot. Like something weird is going on here and there's no real tracks down where we are. We're on the bank of the creek. We're not in the water. So there's not a lot of mud. And again, we're in the pine forests. So we start walking back up and there's been stories Messages sent to us by the U.S. Forest Service in the past, like, just keep an eye out. There's some people that live out here that aren't, you know, property owners. They're, they're you know, kind of dangerous survivalist dudes that sometimes rob people and stuff. They have weapons and shit, so like, yeah. you may want to keep your eye out once in a while. If you come across what looks like a camp, you may want to back out. There's bandits in these, <clears throat> in these woods. Pretty much. Outlaws. We are in the Wild West. We yeah. are in Wyoming. Yeah. And so... We start walking back up to the truck. We have this big Chevy Suburban, and two of the doors are wide open. And we all close their doors, and Jim locked the truck. So Jim's now worried someone's trying to ambush. We're out in the open. Like, the truck's in this massive parking lot, but somebody might be waiting in the truck. Yeah, you're not in a good position. We don't know what's going on here. So Jim maneuvers himself in a position with the windshield, and he's got his AR because he always has a damn AR on him which I don't fault him for it because we had a lot of mountain lion encounters yeah. over there. Yeah, that's a different um, world out there. Yeah, and I stayed close to the passenger seat and Wes, one of the other crew members, kind of did a perimeter walk, just looking inside. He can't see anybody. So we walk close and we keep back. I want to see because it's sand, right? I want to see if I can see any tracks of who did this, if they came and left or they are still here. 
I walk up and I stop in my tracks. No pun intended. Because there's no boot tracks going to our truck and coming out. Just our tracks leaving and footprints with human toes and human heel that are three inches long at max. And I walk up to the truck. I'm I'm shaking right now remembering this moment. (laughs) I walk up. Isn't it crazy how these experiences change us? Yeah. Or affect us? But go ahead. I walk up to the passenger seat, and there's that little, like, arm rest dashboard thing between the seats. Yeah. I can't remember the terms. Not the console, but anyways. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I walk up, and Jim had bought himself a bunch of gummy bears for lunch later. The bag is ripped in half, and half the gummy bears are gone. <laughs> And so we just took the rest of the gummy bears, walked over to a little white birch tree and poured it out and put some tobacco beside it and just left. We got what we so needed from the that, forest. That was the best move. They let us go to their little sacred spot where they pick their medicine and grow the red willow. And they just took some candy and that's all that happened. They didn't exchange with us. We took their sh- They took some of our sh- And so we just went fair on Fair is fair. <laughs> it was fair, fair. You know? It was a weird day. <laughs> that is crazy. Like, awesome. Awesome yeah. crazy, you know? And just because I didn't want, like, this stuff's personal and, like, the Mandawak, the spirits, because we, we look at those beings as spirits. Any being that's not tangibly, physically like us, we look at them as spirit beings. Even bears, we look at to, to a degree as a spirit being because they're dead for half the year in our teachings. We're yeah. hibernating. Yeah. Well, we were, so, we had this conversation yeah, earlier, and, yeah. and to me, like, everything's alive. Yeah. It's, it's you know? animate. It's, it's existent. But to, to me, when the spirits, like, reveal themselves with tracks, that's not necessarily for everybody to see. You know, they showed that to you. Yes. And so what I did when we were leaving is as I came back from that birch tree, I dragged a stick behind me and knocked out all their tracks just to give a courtesy to them so they don't and, get bothered. And you weren't trying to hide <clears throat> anything. No. Yeah. I just didn't want people to You weren't to like, them. you know, like the story where people see tracks and rangers come and say, I don't know if it's true or not, but people yeah. say, like, U.S. forest rangers will come up and be like, Oh, yeah, and they'll wipe out the tracks. You didn't see anything here. No, no, that wasn't yeah. what I was trying to do. No, I just wanted to not get, at all. Like, I'll tell people, these beings were in the Black Hills. I just don't want people finding where their little sacred grove of red willow and p- where they pick their sage is. Like, that's their sacred space. Well, that's, that's their, their home. home. So that's I want to give home. them some privacy. <clears throat> if you see one running across the road, by all means, I'm not going to tell you you didn't see it. But I'm not going to help you go and harass them, you know? Right. So I just want to give them their privacy. And, and that's the same thing we do. Yeah. So when we have, you know, site seven, we use like the code words for stuff. You know, site seven and other places that are like in or near private land. Yeah. We're like trying to be respectful. Respectful like to the humans that live there. Let alone the beings. Let let alone the beings. And I mean places like this, you know, this is a state forest. Mm -hmm. We say come visit it. Yeah. But we also say go ahead. People have. Like this is a known location. Exactly. Very known. You saw that. Oh, God, the amount of stuff left up there. I, I, oh, I was getting to that. Yeah. And we always say, when you're here, respect this place. Yeah. And I'm not saying this is all ghosts. No. You know, this is not just all spirits of There's people beings. here. There's things here that aren't, that never were human. Yeah. And, and that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah. And this is their home. But leaving... <laughs> yeah. Offer, to me, offering should be something that is either permanent because it's of the landscape, like... <clears throat> let's say you carve a rock of soapstone or pipestone and you want to leave an offering of that. I'm not against that. 
No. And if you want to bring like a, a carving or like a little spoon or cup you carved, that's going to be part of the land again soon. Plastic should be left at home. Yeah. Like I'm just going to say it that way. Plastic should be left at home. If you bring in offerings and you have to bring it in plastic, take the plastic back with you. Yep. Like this might be a leave no trace rant, but there's a reason. No, it's no not. Trace. It's not a leave no trace rant because we say this all the time. Yeah. And it's, you're trying to be respectful to this place's home. You wouldn't want somebody showing up in your house. Only the garbage around. And and not not even garbage, but like, you know, oh, this is a sacred place. And they start throwing in and this person puts on and the next person brings plastic stuff. And you get this pile of stuff. It's the same thing as up in the North Country where everybody starts peeling the birch bark off the trees near the campsites. Yeah. Like, why'd you have to do that? Yeah. You didn't need to do that. And if you do, take, take a little bit. We'll you find know? it on the ground. Exactly. Take, so when I take my tulip poplar bark, I don't take it off living trees. Mm-hmm. I take it off branches that have already fallen. Yeah. And so now and we're going to... It's dry and, gr- and good to burn. Yeah. And we're, we're going to go on a rant here. Yeah. Okay. I'm going off on a tangent. So t- <coughs> I oh, hate... smoke. Yeah, I know. My goodness. We're sitting right by the fire. Yeah. We're trying to stay warm right now. <laughs> yeah. It's it's cold. Yeah. It was 46 when the sun was still up. And so in Celsius, it was like... Five degrees three hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> so we're hovering around freezing right now. Yeah. Whenever I see, you know, on Instagram, the bushcrafters, and I use that with air quotes. Yep. Or you you Google bushcraft, and you see these guys making what I call forts in the woods. Yep. I hate that. Yeah. Because to me, that is not true bushcrafting. Yeah. I and say... We actually talked about this on one of our episodes. Yeah. The, the, the ethics of bushcraft kind of Yep. Stuff. And it's because there's been people that, you know, it, that get inspired by what we do and what yeah. we show. And that's great. That's awesome. Nothing wrong with that. But don't go to public lands. Uh, if you want to do it on your private land, by all means. have at it. It's sure yours. Land. Go ahead. Yep. But, you know, still be aware of the things that might be there. Yep. And um, <clears throat> have at it. But you go to public land, you're cutting down green trees to build these forts in the woods. Yep. Or even if you're using the debris shelter, when you're done with it, tear it apart. Put it back to the land. Yeah. We've actually had, so we found a lean to, not a lean to, sorry, debris hut, a A-frame style debris hut that somebody left up. Mm-hmm. Came by, saw it tear, uh, falling down, went over, there was a raccoon crushed by the ridge pole when it finally collapsed. Like, you're harming wildlife. That's sad. And, and, and I know- Picture that was a kid yeah. playing in, their ba- in, the, in the woods with their and, parents. And little kids see these forts and, and they, they go to them. And they crawl in. Take them down. Just take them down when you're done. You, you, People are like, well, I want to practice my bushcraft. You know what the best way to practice your bushcraft is? Repetitively have to rebuild. Yeah. <laughs> or or carry, carry a freaking tarp with you. Sure. You know, Perfect. that's the most effective thing to do is yep. carry a tarp. You know, low impact on the land. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my philosophy is, you know, we don't live off the land. We live with it. Yeah. That's what I say. You know. Yeah. When we're, when Nishnabek go out on, uh, go out in the bush, we refer to it like we're going on the land. Out on the land, not on, we're gonna we're gonna live off the land. We're out on the land. We're yeah. we're part of this. A king is one of the ways to say that on the land or actively being in the land. Yeah. When we walk, bamase is the word for that, and bamase is talking about moving in a linear fashion forward while interacting with everything at the same time. Yeah. Everything interacts with you. So like, this is gonna go like Paul Stamets direction with fungi and stuff. But like, there's a belief. Like the nervous system of the forest being the uh, mycorrhizae systems, the mycological fungi in the forest floor. It's so sensitive that you take two steps off the beaten path, a mosquito two kilometers away, sorry, almost a mile away 
We'll know within 15 seconds. You can use kilometers. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> then people will just have to look it up. It's Perfect. all right. Time to learn, folks. Yeah, time Google's to learn. Google's your friend. A, a mosquito two kilometers away is aware of your presence because you stepped on that mushroom. You stepped on that mycorrhizae system. Like, that's how interconnected this landscape is. Oh, yeah. And so it's interconnected to us, or it's interconnected to these rocks, to these plants, to these animals, and those beings. They are always aware of your presence, even if you don't think that they can see you, because you're stepping. It's like, think of it this way. You know every groan and creak in your house when someone's walking around, right? You know if your kid is trying to sneak down those stairs. Exactly. It's what they're feeling with us right now, because we're here. They know we're walking around. They know that we're stomping around, cutting up some firewood and doing our thing, and sitting with a weird fuzzy thing in between us talking to it. (laughs) And so... When these beings are around, whatever these beings may be, they're they're just another aspect of the landscape that we just can't fully comprehend because we are, as I said earlier, privately, Shawanamishnan. The, the word Shawanamishnan is kind of describing us as like these pitiful, not fully perfect beings. Yep. We aren't meant to be perfect. We're meant to be not always understanding everything. And it's okay to have that because it brings more magic into our lives. To have a life like that. If you yeah. knew everything, do you think about how bored you'd be? Oh, it, it would be, it'd be <laughs> like somebody who has too much money. Yeah. And, you know, their biggest fear is, I've always seen that, you see that, you know, they're more worried about losing that money. And then they can yeah. do whatever they want. And then just, you become jaded. Yeah. And life loses its magic. 100%. And that's one reason why I do this is because. To never be rich. <laughs> I'm not rich. I'm never going to be rich. <laughs> We're not going to be rich. At least I won't be. I won't be. Yeah. You know, we do this because we enjoy it. Mm-hmm. We do this because, and when I say we, I mean, I'm, I'm not just talking like the paranormal thing. I'm also yeah. talking, you know, our, our, our lifestyle. We do this because we love it. Mm-hmm. It feels right. It feels whole. You know, we're where we should be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why we do it, you know. And... It, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's awesome. That's all it has to be. You know, and I I don't want to know everything. Totally. You know, I always tell everybody whenever I show things or teach things or I talk, you know, whatever I talk about, I don't know everything. Yep. I want to learn something new every day. That's my goal. 100%. Is to grow as an individual, learn something. I love that spark when I learn something new. Mm-hmm. You know, when I come out to areas like that and something cool happens, I'm like, cool, I learned something new or... When I came here and I did the research for this place, you know, the, the history. Yeah. And I love that. You know, that that spark of learning is, is just awesome. To me, that's a great reward. That's such a great reward. So I'm going to go back. Yeah. A little bit rewind. Yeah, yeah. And we're talking about, you know, we leave stuff that is appropriate for the land that will return to land. Yeah. When you go to these places, do that. So we, we came to Pandemonium here, mm-hmm. and you saw the the legend, allegedly legendary, whatever you want to call it, the resting place of the little girl, that supposedly. Yeah. Depending on which legend you believe or don't believe or know, mm-hmm. it could be either a little girl who was of, of color, yep. or it could be a... I keep hearing movement out there. Yeah, I never know if it's calm or shifting. Or well, I heard movement over here earlier. That's yeah, why I, I heard, heard stuff here for a while. Like yeah, that's why I'm north of that's us. Why we're I put, uphill. That's why I put my light up there because I thought yeah. I heard something coming down into the camp. I did too. And but I couldn't see We're going to go for a walk here oh, soon. Yeah. Before we're going to record and we're yeah. going for a walk. But 
we came here and there's just like plastic everywhere. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like tempted like to just clear it all out before we leave. And I know people are like, don't do that. They put that up. Yeah. Leave stuff that, that's, that's going to return. land or belongs there. Yeah. A little bit of tobacco. Yeah. A little, a little bit of, you know, we got to leave toys for the little girl. Well then leave like a wooden toy. Learn, learn how to make a cattail doll. Exactly. Learn how to make a corn husk doll or learn how to make those little uh, twig deer and stuff. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. I saw they were leaving uh, um, offerings of bottled water. Pour the water onto the rock. That's what we do. You don't have to leave the bottle. I, sh- I share water everywhere <clears throat> Everywhere I go. Yeah. When I stop, me and Tim, if we're out uh, hiking, totally. and even if it's a day hike and we stop for lunch, I share a little bit of my water. Yeah. I share a small bit of my food. I toss it layout. Yep. When we're camping, you, know, you see me share water here. Mm-hmm. You know, when we leave, I'll share water. I will thank this place because I respect this place immensely. Yeah. And I have a strong connection with this place. You know, it's been up and, and not that I'm, I'm not saying I'm special. I'm just no. like, I've been here enough times. This you place, have a relationship. I have a relationship with it and I want to maintain that. Yeah. A healthy relationship. Exactly. An official relationship. And, you know, I thank this place for everything it's given me. You know, the experiences. Do you hear that thing echo back there? That's Tom snoring. No, no, just no, heard. no. Way back there. I, I know. I heard, I keep hearing like a call. Like, yeah. It was like, like way out. Call. I don't know what that. I'm hoping the recorder is picking that up. I know we're talking. It might. Be. We'll see. There was a a thwack back there. Yeah. What curious item do you have for our curiosity of the week? I'm curious. Well, you know I like to stay on theme. Mm-hmm. So this is a little girl and her doll. Okay. <laughs> I just thought it was a cool kind of spooky image, and it has absolutely nothing to do with the episode that has just passed. But it's, I think generally within the strange familiars aesthetic. Well, we can stretch it. Okay. We can really stretch it. All right. At Pandemonium, yeah. there is a supposed grave uh-huh. of a supposed escaped enslaved girl. Oh. <laughs> Where people leave a lot of gifts, a lot of toys and beads and Is this you know, part of a larger that. cemetery? It's just outside of what they call the Pioneer Cemetery, which was the town cemetery for Pandemonium. So there's no proof that this actually happened. It's like a legend. Oh, okay. And in fact <laughs> you know, you're walking things back. Well the the story itself has some elements of racism to it. Let's not get into that. Okay. At this point, you know, people may have tulpid this uh, little girl apparition into existence, for all I know. It doesn't matter. There's a stump there where people leave gifts, toys, beads, all manner of things for this uh, supposed little ghost girl. So your photo kind of could fit in. It's a little girl with a doll. I guess my question would be, why would she be there? I don't know. Look, I don't <laughs> yeah. believe the, the yeah, story yeah. for, I yeah. really don't. I, you know, every house that's older than 1865, people think was part of the Underground Railroad. And mm-hmm. it's not true. Or has a Civil War soldier in, in, yeah, in, yeah. in the walls, like yeah. trapped in the walls. Well, let's get back to our I don't know if that where this girl is currently trapped, but in this, this one frozen memory that we're 
trying to sell here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty cool because her doll has, as they say on the Antiques Roadshow, pride of place mm-hmm. on top of a table. Now, would people have to thaw this frozen memory? No. No. Mm-mm. Okay. I don't know where you're going with that. <laughs> Just being silly. Okay. But it's a girl who's pretty happy with her creepy little doll on the table. Would you say there's a high chance that that doll is haunted? Say yes. <laughs> I'd say the chances are about 84%. Yeah, that's pretty That hot. doll's haunted. <laughs> we were talking about haunted objects on the Strange Familiars Discord. And I was commenting about the sheer number of haunted dolls there seems to be because I would go to these paranormal conferences and so forth. And every ghost hunting group would have on their table a old doll you know, some kind of spooky doll, which they mm-hmm. they claim was haunted. Not as much anymore. It's kind of faded. It was more more the trend a few years back. I think everybody wanted their own Annabelle. Yeah. I mean, because you don't see a lot of, like, haunted um, oversized Tonka trucks. No. There isn't really, like, a, a gendered equivalent. But maybe you just toppled those into existence. Haunted Tonka trucks. The, the haunted Tonka <laughs> truck. Yeah. Back to the curiosity of the week, Allison. <laughs> you are a rambler. It's definitely this not me. is uh, later than a cabinet card. Yeah, it's it's, it's probably um, nineteen o two. Yeah, it could be even a, maybe a little later than than that. And I just noticed right now that it comes from Plymouth Meeting, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. which is right outside of Philly. I used to go there as a kid. Mm-hmm. There's a big mall there. Mm-hmm. Not as big as the one really near it, King of Prussia, but it's close to it. Well, spooky doll. Photo of the week. I'll put an image of this in the show notes. If you click on that image, it'll take you to our Etsy shop where you can purchase this and other curiosities of the week. While you're at Etsy, check out our other stuff. My books, artwork, some of my music is there, Strange Familiar's t-shirts, and more. Supporting us on Etsy helps support the show as well. Chad has a shop there, Ruck Rabbit Outdoors. And I want to thank Chad for interviewing Caleb. Sad I couldn't have been there at Pandemonium, but at least Chad got the stories. What else is new, Allison? I'm working on a show which I'm hoping to get done for next week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Think <laughs> think uh, Green Acres meets Grey Gardens. With a murdery twist. Yeah, with a Southern Gothic twist. Yeah, I'm excited. All right, that's it for this week. We'll be back soon with more Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you want to hear more or purchase music, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. The Strange Familiars Gathering Group is there, where you can discuss strange things. Not stranger things. We've actually banned that. You're not allowed to discuss stranger (laughs) things. Just kidding. If you want to discuss stranger things, you do that. We have uh, Instagram as well. Wow, you signed up for a free service. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And th- we can find us there, at Strange Familiars. That's one word. There's yeah. no underscore, no space. No just, wacky backwards E's or Just anything. Strange Familiars. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can find us on the web at threedubs.strangefamiliars.com.
silver hands, spider webs, knot and twist upon my head. Yesterday fades away, rose comes clean with drops of red. Tears mark all the paths that I roam, tears will cut strange runes into my bones. flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.